and there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 214 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. I'm Brian. And I'm Megan. Hey, everybody. How are we this week? Hello, hello. Tired. Awake. All acceptable, reasonable answers. Indeed. <laughs> but we have basically a mini spooptacular, a mini summer spooptacular special. We do. Yes. This week. <laughs> It is all horror comics, all the time. Love it. <clears throat> this is my favorite thing. Yes. We should do, like, quarterly horror episodes. I'll just, Fuck I'll, yeah. I'll, Look, I'll, I am <laughs> down. Yeah. I actually would be really down for that. Just get, yeah. like, a bunch of trades together. Yeah. I love it. And what do we have on the, on the plate for this week, Alex? On the docket this week, we're going to start out with uh, a preview of a new vault book called Bleed Them Dry. Then we're going to move on to the main course, a regrettable choice of words, <laughs> Nailbiter. <laughs> uh, after we talk about the first half of Nailbiter, I'm going to talk a little bit about Nailbiter Returns, which came out this week. I promise no spoilers. Thank you. And then, truly the most terrifying of all, our long box is an early 90s X-Men comic. <laughs> all Alpha Flight number 112. Uh, anything before we dig into it? There's a lot here. This is going to probably be a long one, I bet. No, cool. we should jump no, in. Let's yeah. go. There was a resounding Do silence it. that got cut. <laughs> Bleed Do them it. dry, number one and two. So, this is created by Hiroshi Koizumi, written by Elliot Rahal, drawn by D.K. Ruan, colored by Mikel Muerto, which is, look, if you're going to color a horror comic, Mikel Muerto is a great name. It, oh, Jesus. And designed by And Tim with great Daniel. talent, yes. Yeah. My phone just started playing stuff, I'm sorry. I didn't even do anything. Oh, no. It is a horror show. Siri is back. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I remember editing that one. No. God. Why is it coming for me? I've had a bad enough week. Quick, everybody check. Make sure you're actually recording. Test, test, oh. test. Yes, I'm uh, good. Uh, yeah, we're good. Okay. <laughs> Scary. Uh, all right. Bleed them dry. Uh, Jen, you just explained very succinctly what this was before we started recording. So do it again. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Thanks. No. Okay. Futuristic vampire cop thriller with Yakuza. <laughs> what? It's so everything you, I love in one book. If you take vampire the, uh, a heaping helping of Vampire the Masquerade, you add a pretty good dose of uh, Ghost in the Shell, uh, sprinkle with some RoboCop flavoring, 
and mix all that together, I think you might have this. <laughs> Interesting. Um, we're obviously not going to get into any kind of spoilers for this because no. it's not out. But where we start is with a detective in the year 3333 in a city called Asylum investigating <laughs> the murder of an immortal, which is what they call vampires. But pure vampires. Right, yeah, yes. full vampires, yes. Yeah. There are immortals and there are hybrids. And as she is checking out the scene, um, there is a blood sample that they're talking about when another very hungry vampire bursts in and attacks, and her partner, who is also a vampire, uh, cuts down the attacking vampire. And that sort of sets off a chain of events that... Uh, makes people angry with them because he was the only witness and leads to crazy things happening can i leave yeah. it at crazy things yeah, yeah definitely yeah they're essentially they're they're investigating a series of murders that there is a serial killer killing immortals and that's uh, if you know that you know yeah the 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 rising plot of this yeah a vampire hunter yes <laughs> That's leading, Alex. <laughs> Objection leading. <laughs> That's what they call it in like the first five pages. Yeah. yeah vampire yeah. Slayer. Thank you very oh, much. Vampire Slayer, right. Objection vampire leading slayer. again. <laughs> Interesting. Uh the art and coloring in this are absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, that, pretty. I love what this. I was, that's what you when you mentioned the coloring, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, the colors in this are beautiful and perfect. There are when they're like in the police station, there's like bright, like light colors. Not even necessarily light, but like bright contrasting colors. And then they do dark moody scenes where they're where it's all, you know, shaded and it's just gorgeous. Yeah, like it's got the neon sort of blade runner vibe. Yep. But without constantly feeling dingy and dirty. Yeah. Definitely. And anytime you see a shot of the city, there's just this beautiful glow. Yeah. Even even when they're like sitting down to eat somewhere in the background, it's just like the city is behind them. It's just yeah. glowing. Like my favorite things in those shots are the reflections of the city and the water around it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like all of it is just so well composed and well thought out. Um, there's some really cool stuff done with panel layout like say a person gets sliced in half there are some cool moments where like panels get sliced oh, right. in half and yeah things like that yeah there's some there's a couple of good double panel layouts too yeah anytime pretty. really anytime there's sword work something yes. cool happens with a panel that's fair it gives this really beautiful like sense of motion yeah i i think vault's got another winner on their hands hell yeah june 24th june 24th issue one is out um i believe Thank you. That i was that... gonna ask I believe that that is still the correct date. Um, that looks like it was the original date announced, but it's still listed there on Comixology and on Diamond, so I think that's going to hold. Uh, so about three weeks, two weeks, about two weeks from when this episode dropped. All the recommends from me. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Now, nail biter time. More serial Yay. killers. We're going to talk about <laughs> the first half of this. That's 1 through 15, or if you're reading it in trades, volumes 1 through 3. 
Story is by Joshua Williamson. Art is by Mike Henderson with Adam Markovich. Colors are by Adam Guzowski. Letters and book design by John J. Hill. And it is edited by Rob Levin. Yeah, I believe uh, what I said before this started was, gee, thanks guys for letting me watch half a season of <laughs> a, a horror show. In my what... defense, I argued we should do the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, but 30 issues. <laughs> that's a lie. So, uh, the only reason I bring that up is... No, go, no going into this, and I and I, you'll get my opinion at the end. You no know, going into this. If you read the first fifteen, you will read the next fifteen. You will have to. That's not a. <laughs> also, optional. I need this show. I need this. I need yes. the show. I need <laughs> it. Word. Have they? I vaguely remember. Maybe they were going to turn into a TV show. Oh, uh, why don't I do some quick googling? Do the Google. Yeah, this was like so. Saga got me into comics. Nailbiter's the one that made me realize I love comics because it was like comics for me was always superhero stuff. Like that's always what I associated with it. Right. This was me finding out and being like, oh shit, okay, you will do serial killers. I'm down. Yeah, there are <laughs> lots of things other than superheroes that can be in comics, and a lot of yes. them are really good. So in October of 2018, it was announced that Sony and Skybound were working on developing Nailbiter for TV. Cool. So there's hope. There is hope. Maybe someday. So essentially someone has optioned it. And Yeah. Yeah. So Brian, this is your first time reading any of it. Yes. I have read it all the way through. Meg, you have read it all the way through. Correct. Jen, you have read 25 About... of 30 issues. Yeah. About that much. Cool. So obviously we're not going to spoil the whole thing. Right. Um... But I, I don't will even know say, if I could. I don't know if I could really explain what happens at the end yeah, of Nailbiter. That's, <laughs> that's my issue right now, too, is like reading this, I definitely remember these beats. There are a couple here and there that I'd kind of forgotten a little bit. Mm -hmm. But the explanation, the answers we get at the end of the series, gun to my head, I don't think I could repeat anyway. Oh, so you guys are just like a lot of these characters in the book who... Some of them know the answer to this, but won't tell anybody. Good, thanks. It's for your own good, Brian. <laughs> exactly. There, I, like, there is a scene, a two-page spread from, I think, the last issue that is, like, burned into my head. And I still couldn't tell you exactly what is going on in it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm going to need to know later which scene that is. So okay. I've got some bonkers shit to look forward to. Yes. 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 It never stops being bonkers. Yeah. I also double checked. I wanted to see because uh, I, I basically skimmed this. And I think there was a break after this for a little while, and I think issue sixteen starts with like a discussion of all of the uh, serial killers that have come from Buckaroo. That like, sounds I remember, right. Um, like a uh, uh, like a galley layout. I'm gallery layout. Thinking in yeah. Zoom terms. And uh, all the different names, because there's so many great, yeah. so many great. So the, here's the here's the 30 second synopsis of this is there is a town called Buckaroo. Is it um, Oregon, Oregon, yeah. right? Uh, Buckaroo, Oregon, where there have been like 16 serial killers that have been caught around the nation that all came from Buckaroo, <clears throat> Oregon. Correct. And. The last one is the most famous. It is it is the the one that is nicknamed the nail biter. And following his capture, 
there was an FBI agent who was involved in the case who became obsessed with why all of these serial killers keep coming from this one small town in Oregon. And he initiates the action by calling a former friend of his who was in Army Intelligence and then promptly disappearing, and the Army Intelligence guy shows up to start investigating also. Your 30-second synopsis was excellent and 50 seconds long. Well, it's <laughs> the best I could do. <laughs> it was always going to be a challenge. Just take out yeah. every breath he took. <laughs> I fine. will, and it will still probably come in at like 47. 42. Okay. No. <laughs> Should have talked faster. <laughs> you gotta micro-machines this. That's the trick to an elevator pitch. Oh my god, I wish I could talk like that, dude. Uh, Don't be more no. succinct. Just talk too quickly. Just talk faster, right? Um, yeah, that's it, though. And it, it, this is... Uh, I had heard you guys talk about this book uh, some a lot when it was coming out. And from the pieces that I got of it, did not convey to me what this... It, it, it didn't convey the feeling and what I thought this was about. I would have thought this was something very different. <laughs> than what yeah, it was. We did a that's... poor job of talking about it then. That's basically I'm... what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything you said... It, it, I think it was totally 100% uh, my own... My own head of what I thought it was. And because that got wrong from the start, it didn't... Well, right. What Brian's saying kind of echoes my experience with it, which is, I remember when this started coming out, I uh, was listening to a couple of other comics podcasts that no longer exist at this point, the uh, Comic Vines podcasts and IGN's podcast, and the writer came on at least one of those to talk about it, and... I remember thinking, oh, this is gross and disturbing and not my thing at all. And just never looked at it again until we were in spooptacular mode. And I'm like, fine, I will give this thing a try because I keep hearing how great it is. And it is not the kind of, like, gross-out horror that I sort of expected it to be from the premise and from the covers. Like, the covers... yeah. yeah. It doesn't shy away from gore, but the covers really make it seem like a much more... Gross? Yeah, like a a much grosser, a much more gratuitous thing than it really is. Mm -hmm. I think gratuitous is the best Well, and here's... And I think that is probably the central thing that I misunderstood, is it's super easy and very obvious to, when you're hearing someone talk about this, to pick up and focus on, like... You know, the fact that he chews off the fingernails and fingers of the of the people of his victims, right? Like yeah. and that's like you kinda hear that and like that's just sticks in your head. But like, yes, and there are serial killers and they do things, but to be honest, that really is nothing but backdrop for the story. Yeah. That the, isn't the story at the all. The serial killers are almost like the other way to think about this book is if it were about a bunch of fairy tale characters. And Jack was in the book, but everyone else was kind of just gone. Yeah. And you just heard stories about them. Yeah. yeah. It's more about yeah. like the myth of the thing and people. It's about a bunch of assholes dealing with this inherited myth. Yes. Than it is about like what any of these characters do. Yeah. And so go into it knowing that it's a lot more about these people and their story and their dealing with this than it is about 
the serial killers and their yeah. actions them itself. Yeah. But also the serial killers are pretty fucking great. Oh, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, hey yo, that clown car killer. Hey, yes. <laughs> what's yes. up, my dude? Let's talk. <laughs> the one who l- wants to literally see how many clowns can be fit into a clown car. Yes. <laughs> let's let's contextualize this. One of these serial killers is called the Blonde, and murders men who can't call her on the street. Fucking love her. And there's still yep. one that Jin likes better than that. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I didn't say I liked him better. Okay, <laughs> because. He is still a clown himself. He is a clown, yes. Yeah. So, when we talk, I do kind of want to shove him into the car, too. I mean, look, <laughs> it takes a clown to catch a clown. <sighs> that's that's, I mean, we have, that's we have wrong in almost... so many ways. <laughs> so, so many ways. We uh, and, and a lot of them are very cliche. It's sounding like uh, we meet the book burner's grandson uh, right. almost uh, immediately, and um, which sounds... Like a very uh, anti-free speech, but really, what he was doing—why they call him the book burner—is that he would burn down libraries with people inside of them. He didn't give a shit like a, what kind of books. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't like protesting books. Right? No, it was, he was just it was murdering people. He, when he was a kid, he got teased because he couldn't read and write. Well. Yeah. So yeah, so he wants to kill books because he got teased about them. Yeah. I also love that, like, there's still so much shade thrown at him. Like, yeah, I mean, he meets the minimum requirement to be a serial killer. Yes. Yes. people, But that's across two libraries. He really wasn't very good at that. No. Either. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, I don't think we meet the Y2K killer in this one. The uh, Y2K killer might yeah, be do. my favorite. Yeah, the Y2K we killer do. is in here. Briefly. Okay. Um, just Super the fact brief. that the Y2K does killer disappears yeah when the year 2000 shows up is just one of my favorite things (laughs) yeah um there are also the twins which uh are a pair of twins who only murder other twins right yes yes that's so i don't know why but that is so fucking creepy to me because horror movies and twins yes yeah Yeah, but it's the fact that they only kill other twins i don't know why that specifically is creepy to me there can be be only two we must be the dominant twin. There can be only <laughs> two. So, and yeah, so actually this is a good example. We're talking about these different serial killers, right? In the book, they may get a page that tells you their story. If yeah. That, right? Yeah. So we're, it, this is not like a long drawn out, you get their whole, like, you know, it's like, you know, eight or ten pages of them going through and doing this stuff. It's like half a page or a page of synopsis of, yeah. of, of who they are. And that's the- it. The twins have had a panel. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of, that kind of harkens back to what I was talking about, about how it's, that's not the focus yeah. of this. But like the paranoia of living around that and the myth that builds around that, like none of these people started killing while they live in Buckaroo. It's when they move to Portland or further, further out that then right. they start serially murdering people. Serially murdering. There's some way you phrase that I just really enjoy. It's the word serially. <laughs> yes. Serially. Oh. That being I'm... said, the nail biter is present. Yes. He is a character in this. He is. And he is a prominent character in this. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. That's because he's got the highest number of kills of any of the. And like, he's he is the one who. He is the one who the media latched onto and made this town infamous. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And also, oh. he's not in jail. No, he got off 
Yeah. Yeah, he was acquitted. Um, and like so much of the way the the book is framed is around uh Finch coming in and trying to find Carol and going through the notes and retracing those steps and like people hiding even their conversations with Carol. Like just because they've talked to one person doesn't mean they're going to open up to another about it. Yeah. Uh, and it's Carol who had arrested Warren, who had arrested the nailbiter originally, and like the two of them had started talking <clears throat> about what was going on. Right. Which is the other reason why Warren's so prominent here. Not to say that he doesn't have his own issues and. No, yeah. no I mean, <laughs> dude's certifiable. Oh, yeah. And knows it and doesn't <laughs> hide it. That's, that, that's what just like it is so. He he is so cavalier and open about the fact that he has done this because he's gotten off, mm-hmm. so he can't be retried for it. Yep, double jeopardy. That it. it mm, yeah, there's so many good characters in this too. I was about um, to ask, who is everybody's favorite? Golly, um, I can tell you, mine is Alice. Is I it? I do like Alice. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's it, it probably either Alice or Sheriff Crane. Yeah. Do you like Sheriff Green? It's Warren. Which, it's Warren. I was gonna say, I just it's Warren. Not it's, Warren. It's, it's Warren. It's I'm Warren. I'm sorry. It's Warren. It's Warren. He's the killer. It's so, Warren. So here's the thing. It may be. It's hard to separate Warren and Sheriff Crane because. Yeah. Okay, so part of the story is, um, Warren, who is the nail biter, right? Uh, was her prom date in high school? The sheriff's prom date in high school? Wait, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like boyfriend. they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, they were and... they were the high school couple. Yeah, and high school sweetheart. She still oh, can't live it down. There's no, so much to that, imagine? right? There is so much to that. One of the early antagonists in the book is a local priest or minister, I guess, a local yeah. minister who just is there to stir the pot and seize power, and he's mad because his son got mixed up in stuff and was killed, but. Mostly, I think he just wants power because he's an asshole. Um, and, like, any chance he gets, he's like, you know, you dated him. How did you not know this? Yeah. Oof. What Covering for your boyfriend again? <laughs> and she's like, uh, and, and and what's so amazing about that is because she knows him so well, right? She has, she has no preconceptions. She is 100%. She knows completely that he is 100% guilty and has done all these horrific things. At the same time, when there's other things that he doesn't do, and he's like, no, I didn't do it, she knows that it wasn't him. Yeah. Like, she knows him so well, she knows when he's also not lying to them, and is being genuine, and it's it's so... She knows him so well, she's basically his profiler. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, then there's Finch. Who none of us listed as our favorite character. (laughs) I, I like Finch. Yeah, I, I don't dislike just... Finch. Finch is a great character who's a little bit hard to like. Yeah, I mean, I feel like kind of the point of Finch is, under other circumstances, maybe even under his actual circumstances, because rereading this and this the year 2020, I definitely read him in a very different light than I did sure. originally. Yeah. He is potentially or actually just as bad as the, the Butchers. Like, he is constantly beating the shit out of people. Yeah. He has killed people in interrogations. He is, in his own way, every bit as much a monster. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I didn't actually bring this up in that quick synopsis. When I said he's an army intelligence officer, his specific 
uh, uh, specialty is interrogation, uh, i.e., read torture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the present story, like the present day story of this book, we see him do far, far more brutal, gory, extreme things than we see Warren ever do. I mean, the third volume ends with him essentially getting ready to torture Warren. And even though you know Warren's evil, you're just like, want to protect that baby boy. I don't know. Oh, oh no, he does. He flat out does. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying like that. I, that that I, I'm just like, yes, you are a serial killer. However, you maybe also remind me of my ex, and thus I want oh, to. Oh, Mac! Oh no! <laughs> See, that I like, wanted my ex is a terrible person, but uh, not a serial killer. Terrible that you know of. Right. Got it. That's um, exactly what I know. Of. Allegedly. Oh, God. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, see, I, I wanted Warren to get his ass kicked because, you know, he did kill people. Right. Also, sure. like, maybe don't just fucking. Oh, no, I did. I wanted him to get his ass kicked. Never There's, mind. It doesn't matter. I wanted to that's see what's, it. That's part of what is so amazing about this book is y- y- you you want to root for them kind of because, you know, in some cases they're trying to do the right thing. But they're just, but you know the horrible, awful things they've done. So you also don't hate it when they get their get what's coming to them. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's it, it, there are a lot of complex feelings, or at this. least a portion of what's coming to them. Right. Yeah. So brutal. It's not like he caught him doing something, and thus he is now being held and going to be tortured. It's just like he was kind of picked up, and then he's going to be tortured. And I, that's just. Oh yeah. no, the I'm, guy who killed people to eat their fucking fingers is I getting know, tortured. I know. Okay, I hear it. Maybe <laughs> I just hope he's reformed. I know he's fucking not oh, reformed. Oh, yeah, he's, he's not reformed. He has the coroner bring him fingers so look, he doesn't have to go out and kill people look, to get them anymore. That's, that's a pretty fucking ingenious way of not killing people. Yes. Like, hey, if we, they're already dead, your... they don't need them. They're basically donors. We if don't judge a zombie. We don't True. judge I zombie. True. If you that's the way you keep your He live more it. It's fine. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, still not exactly He's not a good person. Right. He, he's no. not your role model for your kids, okay? No, <laughs> no. I would not let my kids anywhere fucking near him. I do get where Meg is coming from, because like the thing this will come as a shock, I'm sure. I do not have a huge capacity for torture in any kind of fiction like that scene in casino royale i have always skipped for example but part of the reason it bothers me so much here is it 100 percent happens because finch is just being impatient he doesn't want to wait on crane he doesn't want to wait on the other fbi he's just like now fuck it i'm just gonna go torture this dude because he's shit and no one will care yeah yeah that's maybe crane maybe Maybe. <laughs> Can we talk about Killer Con and the Serial Killer Museum? Slash? Yes. Oh my god. The murder and store? I want to go. So this is the the grandson of the very first uh, Buckaroo Killer. Yeah, the book burner. Buckaroo bu- Butcher is what they call them. The Buckaroo Butchers. Uh, the yes. book burner. The grand, his grandson opened the murder store, which is a serial killer novelty shop, essentially. I would fucking just wreck that store so hard. My credit card would be like, bitch, you have to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you Would you say you would murder your credit card? Indeed. Serially. <laughs> oh, no. Damn it, Alex. You said it right before I could. <laughs> uh, 
But I appreciate yeah. it because the like um Finch walks in and is like, You're profiting off of this, like capitalism is terrible. Aren't you kind of like feeling guilty for like what you're doing? And he's like, dude, it was my fucking grandfather. Of course I'm gonna capitalize on this. I need to make a name for my family, then also get us some fucking money. Yeah, yeah like there's there's a compelling argument there that's like there is. All of these people's lives have been ruined by things their predecessors did, older family members did. It has killed farms in the town. It has killed a lot of the local economy. Like, we gotta survive somehow. Now, yeah. he's still an unmitigated asshole. Oh, oh no yeah. doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I don't, there's not many people in this that aren't. Right. But, yeah. There's, there's a bit of a Breaking Bad in this, in that everybody is awful. But. We're all assholes down here. <laughs> yes. yes. The greater bad. Um, <laughs> some are just bigger than others, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, his, I mean, his attitude is, uh, why shouldn't I profit from it? it it's, the, it it's the one good thing that potentially could come out of that awful thing. Yeah. I want to talk about issue seven. While we're talking about people reacting to the stories of the the butchers. So, like, obviously there's a whole on and off thing throughout this about media coming through town and sort of public attention on it. Issue 7 grounds this with one very specific writer for an issue. I will be honest, this was my least favorite part of this whole thing. Really? Yeah, I did not like this inclusion. Oh, I thought it was fun. Um... I thought it was fun, and I like it because rather than spending a whole lot of time throughout the series just constantly dealing with media, we get an issue about a writer coming in to do research, and that writer is Brian Michael Bendis, who wants to write a comic book about serial killers. Yes. It's so good. I giggled so hard. (laughs) It took me completely out of it, though, I'll be honest. I get that, and I absolutely see where you're coming from. Like, yeah. that's totally valid. I did not have that problem, obviously. Yeah, no. Okay, what if it had been, like, Stephen King? What if it had been another writer, <sighs> not a comics writer, but somebody I, known for writing about murder? I think that would have been a little easier than Brian Michael Bendis, than, than a comic book writer, but I still don't know that I would have loved... I, I, I probably would have enjoyed if it was just some fictitious... Horror writer uh-huh. that didn't really exist. You want to play but by was, Western like, rules, basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah that's consistent. With, I mean, it could be a, a Stephen King of this universe that was, you know, not Stephen King. So right. the fact that it was Bendis is what threw you off. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yes. A real human person. That it was an actual real person. Yeah, I, I just... Not gonna lie, the first time I read this, I probably didn't know who Bendis was. So That's fair. Yeah. Part of what I love about it, though, is the exchange between Bendis and Warren. because. There is this great bit where Warren is like, look, we're both killers. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. I love your work. Let's talk shop. <laughs> and I did want to like, point the out. fuck, man? <laughs> I, I, I do want to point out that despite me having said that, that does not mean that there's not dialogue in that that is absolutely wonderful. No. Oh, yeah. Of there course. Is, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's some great scenes in this issue anyway. Yes. Brian, famous Sith absolutist. <laughs> <laughs> We have cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I have cake. No. Cake is a lie. <laughs> nope, it's real. It's in my refrigerator chilling so I can glaze it after we record. Ooh. Um, there's just, I don't know. It's, it's a fun and goofy thing. 
It is. And I like, I mean, if, if, if he were a character through a whole arc, I think it would get weird for me. Yeah. But I like this kind of closed conceit of he's going to come around, he's going to ask some questions, it's going to get us some information that we didn't have before. And then he's going to get chased through a labyrinth by a murderer, scared shitless out of town, stop working on his book, and receive mysterious threats at a signing. The end. I, 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 and I will say, uh, my, of this, my least favorite part, I probably would have been okay up through his conversation with Warren. It's when he went into the caves and was chased by the killer and that, that really, really was like, okay, that was too much. You know what would have been fucked up? If they'd straight up killed Bendis in the book? (laughs) No, I mean, yes, that would have been fucked up, but yes, that would have been fucked up. But if he like posted some shit on Twitter relating to this before this book came out. Oh, I would have loved that. That would have been so fucking cool. So much. I should go back. Some fucking meta marketing bullshit. I need it. Like when Misha Collins did that for Supernatural. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. fucking good. Oh. Like I I know that Bendis signed off on this ahead of time. I remember hearing well, Williamson talk so. about that in an interview. And I want to say it's like he wanted to homage him because like or he wanted to include him as sort of like homage because he had helped Williamson get into the industry and get work and was sort of a mentor figure. I want to say it was along those lines. Just, you know, I find it delightful. I do, too. Did the I killer... would be fucking bonkers excited to see myself like in something like that. Yes, yes. I think that's like a sign that you've made it. It's like someone who wants to like meta put you in the story. I don't even care if I've made it. I'm just like, ah, that, they're trying to kill me. It's good. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> was it the killer that sent the note or was it Finch and Crane trying to scare him off? I mean, we ne- we never learn, really. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter, right? No. No, it's just like the way that Alex said that. I was like, wait, I took this as Bench and Crane being like, we're trying to save your fucking life. Go away. I mean, it's. I think it's left intentionally vague. We do get a conversation with them being like, yeah, we had to get him out of here and scare him off. But then they find some stuff and some fresh blood that wasn't part of what they were doing. Right? True. And. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, there's kind of three possibilities, right? It could have been. Finch and Crane scaring him off. It could have been Warren. That's mm-hmm. a very likely yeah. one, cause especially since we see Warren whistling later, right? Yeah, and Warren yeah. Batman's Bendis, which is pretty fantastic. Correct, right. <laughs> um, yes. So, I mean, that's a very... Or, you know, obviously it could have been whoever is really behind yeah. all this new stuff going on. Or it could have all been paranoia in Bendis's own mind. It could have been that, too. Speaking or, of the or same... Or it could have been Josh Waze ga- gaslighting him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, if I were Josh Williamson... I love that. They're both at a con together, and Williamson has heard about this trip that he's taken to this fucking serial killer haven, and he's like, stay out of the serial killer graveyard, bitch. You know what? But even, even, even outside of the fiction of this, like, you know at some point at some con after this issue came out, Oh. Williamson had to be like, hey, will you just drop this letter off this at Brian's him. table? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Hopefully before, like, Bendis <sighs> realized he was there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, give it, I don't know, nine months, a year, let just enough time pass. Where it's I not it. present, yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, but it's also, I think, a good example of, like, the weird sense of humor this book has. It is. Yeah. I will give you that, yes. And like I said, I... 
I, it's not that I did not enjoy that issue. It just, it, it did take me out a little bit. Sure. Yeah. You don't like meta stuff as much. We get it. We get it. <laughs> it all it all depends on what it's done with because I've never mind. Yeah. I was gonna say I came across something that's the most meta thing I've ever probably seen, and they I absolutely love it. But that's yeah, it just depends. The, the other one is we didn't talk about issue six, which is also a good bit disturbing. Oh, the lady. Yeah. That, yeah. The lady. Yeah. Yes. The the so it just at the beginning of this of issue six this very pregnant woman shows up in town and Alice who is we've run into Alice two or three times so far in this book and she is essentially a teenage girl who uh, she opens up we, we hear her very early fighting off a couple of jocks because they're being assholes and uh, you know Alice so, in Horrorland yeah um, but and so she's... Alice Alice runs into her and she is very pregnant and she is here because she wants her baby to be born in Buckaroo so that the, her child will grow up to be a serial killer and then she can become famous as the mother of serial killer. It's, it's fucked like up. Munchins, pro, munchins by proxy. I can't ever remember what that Munchausen's. is. Munchausen by, by proxy. Yes. Uh, to an extreme? Yep. Um, you know, but what I, I think what disturbed me most about this is you know there's people like this out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh God, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they're considering how many women write to men in jail, especially serial killers in jail, and or claim to be married to serial killers in jail, or like want to smuggle out their sperm. Yeah, trust me. No, oh, this is not that weird. I mean, it's weird. This is not. I know what you mean. Not un- unrealistic. <laughs> yes, that's yes. the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. My favorite part of that though is the cover. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the little baby, baby with the animal, animal mask. mask. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the, the very, like, last page of that trade is that same cover, but instead of the trade dress at the top, it just says, it's a girl! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. Oh, man. So much. Um, yeah. We, we haven't talked about the, like, masked figure running around in the background of all this. Yeah, there is... What do they end up calling him? I think they use his name, like, once in the third volume. Did I they? don't remember. Did they? The horned guy? Or yeah, basically maybe. that's what I called him. Or the yeah. knife guy, the knife killer, knife guy, whatever. It's like this almost supernatural entity that's kind of running around. They get um, shot like 87 times. Yeah. 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 Still fine. I mean, he's got some serious like, uh, uh, oh shoot, what's the thing in the labyrinth? Minotaur vibes. Minotaur yeah. vibes. Yeah. Definitely. He, like, actually would be a really cool cosplay. Um, let's see. Can can I tell you what I, I, is simultaneously one of the most beautiful pages and most disturbing pages? Please. Yeah. Which is when Officer Crane, she gets a break. She's like, you know, I've got to rest. She goes home, lays down in her bed, and it's this beautiful double-page panel of her laying down in her bed with her arm dangling off. And we see Warren lying under her bed. <laughs> Stuff of fucking nightmares. Yep. Then, oh my god. And, with and her so, with her and, fingers and, right in front of his face. Right. And then we oh. see her fingers dangling in front of his face, and he just reaches up and kisses them. I'm like, 
I would end his fucking life right there. Or like the way that is built up, like you think he's gonna bite them or something, and then it's just this really tiny smooch. Right. Smack. Yeah. Like he clearly very much still cares about her. Yeah. Oh. In a fucking creepy way. Absolutely. But yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how old I get. I'm I'm 31 right now, and <laughs> under the bed, I will always be terrified oh, yeah. of something fucking reaching out from under the bed. And my cat does it sometimes, and I want to end her life. Uh, I think the closest Jin has ever come to murdering me was during Night of the Living Dead, <laughs> and I had not. I had not caught up on Doctor Who yet at this point and did not know that, like, the night before there had been an episode about things reaching out from under the bed grabbing people. You son of a bitch. That's (laughs) this era. And I had been under this platform for a little while working on something and nobody, nobody, I I could hear everyone asking, hey, where did Alex go? And I'm like, no one hears me because I'm under this big ass platform. And then Jin walks by, and I do a thing out of character and horrible, and I do grab her ankle. It is the literal least I've ever enjoyed your company. Yeah. Let me just tell you that <laughs> much. But I tell you and, what. And Alex, how exactly did you live through this situation? Yeah. Because I jumped and ran all the way to the other fucking door. <laughs> and I knew where the trap doors were, and Jin didn't know about them yet. <laughs> no. That's, that's probably what I was working on. Stalling. Yeah. <laughs> That was uh, such a cool show. God, I love that show. That was fun. Anyway, thank you for not killing me totally justifiably. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Ugh. I was yeah. fucking terrified. I watched a horror movie with Red this weekend where it involved ghosts and the young child was like, yeah, I'm going to leave Alice, her doll, here. No, her doll here for Alice, who lives under the bed. And I was like, nope, you were no, like eight you. years old, child. You know better. You know better. <laughs> Nothing good is under the bed. What is up with kids that are just like so cool with evil spirity things, by the way? Because I feel like when I was a kid, I was fucking terrified of that kind of shit. Yeah. I no. Mean, look at the world around us. Look at the people who are in power saying evil spirits are bad. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Oh, evil spirits oh. 2020. <laughs> All right, fine. Now I'm down with ghosts. it. All right. If you're going to help me take down, fine. Fine. You can stay. Actually, you can stay. Just don't follow me when I move, please. Thank you. Hey. Well, now that you've said that, he's getting in your suitcase. No, if I'm sure he will, are... and it's fine. It's fine. Bartman Ghost and I have lived together for five years, and occasionally he plays pranks on me, and occasionally he drops things in the middle of the night. But outside of that, we are typically good and friendly and on good terms. <laughs> yeah. Plus, if the choices are evil spirits on my side or working against me, on my side, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Cordelia and Angel. Like her apartment ghost. That's kind of how we are. We're yeah. good. This is also why I would read from the book. Speaking of no. people who are... Um, they're not on your side when you read from the book, Alex. No, yeah. no. Well, people who think they're on your side. Uh, we have the bus driver. Oh, The bus driver. <laughs> that's right. I was about to start asking a question about that. Uh, how much is that going to play into your Veronica Mars uh, season two predictions? You know, I'll be honest. <laughs> As I was rereading this, I absolutely thought, you know, when you put it that way, it would make sense if it were a bus full of O-Niners. True. But it wasn't. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know. I don't know how much it fits. 
So there's the bus driver in town who's driven kids to school for like 25 years or something like At that. At least eight of the butchers have been on his route. At least eight of the butchers <laughs> has been on his route and he has driven them to school. And finally he snaps and decides that the only way to break this cycle and prevent more serial killers from coming from here is to kill all the kids that are on his bus. So he's going to drive it into the lake and drown them all. It's fucked up. I mean... It's too Great. bad Clark Kent wasn't they, on that bus. They've turned you into what you hate. Great. <laughs> yes. And also, maybe by doing this, you maybe actually turned a few kids into serial killers. But also, like... Correct. His theory is not unsound. And it is, just what, uh, it is what, more than anything else, I think is so compelling about this book, is that nothing in it is is black and white. Nothing in it is all one thing or the other, or there's, like, layers to it that like well yeah that's right but that part of it's not good or not okay so there's everything is complex in this book except the reverend who is absolute shit as this yeah. issue demonstrates <laughs> or this yeah. arc demonstrates because yeah. he also yeah. does the whole oh this bus driver is a fine upstanding me- member of my flock Right. And then as soon as it's clear what has happened, oh no, he had fallen out with the church. He was yeah, walking a I, dark path. Mm, I know nothing. Right, yes. Yeah. Okay, that's that's very fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that there's anything in this book that was more, like, realistic than that. No. No. I'm with you on this. Yeah. Fucked up. Yeah. Religious so then it was really It was really great later than when he pissed his pants. I love that part. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying, then we kind of come to what is for this first 15 issues, kind of the, the, the rounding up parts of this, which is, um, he takes Warren, uh, Finch takes Warren and interrogates him to start learning about trying to figure out what's really going on. Because clearly Warren knows more than what he has told them. Yeah. For instance, the secret underground pathways and labyrinths that Finch and Crane discover Warren has known about since he was a teenager. Right. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. And, like, there's this Mesoamerican-style temple that's, like, in a lake that got created, and there's statues of it in these caves, and it's like, yeah, this is all just for show. This is all to throw you off. And I will say, and this is, like, light spoiler, but there's a duh factor here that is what I love. There's a bit where Ward is talking to Finch and Crane about this underground temple, underwater temple, and he's like, did you really think if there were an Aztec temple in Oregon, nobody would have noticed? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's part of what I think sells it to, like, how much people buy into the drama of the mythology yes. around mm-hmm. it. You believe yeah. because you, only because you want to believe, yes. Yeah, and yeah. look yeah. past the obvious. Uh-huh. That it's all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that takes us into volume three, I suppose. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> I, it, this is where it really, I think, steps up to another level. The bees... Because, yeah. <laughs> why did it have to be the bees? <laughs> Not the bees, that's it. Um, did, and... you, did you catch the very first thing when Finch, like, got out in town, by the way? There's a panel of a bee stinging his neck. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Correct. Um, and, yeah, because this one opens up with, 
the FBI agent, and I don't think we've mentioned her, Agent Barker, who – so, but at some point they find the original FBI – I can't remember his name. Carol. Carol. They find Carol. Um, all of his arms and legs have been cut off, and his mouth was sewn shut. But he was still alive. So they brought him to the hospital, and he is in a coma. Well, when that happened, that triggered some things, and the FBI sent another agent to investigate and find out what happened. Yes. And that was Agent Barker. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has been peripherally helping Crane and Finch, but like they haven't really been sharing everything with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off with her in a, in a cell in, a dun- in the caves. And she is clearly being held by the horned guy and whoever is the master of the horned guy, because it turns out there's somebody beyond him. Um, And it is the same time that Finch is torturing Warren. And there are these super disturbing, it is how many, I don't even know how many panels are on this page. Eight, so 16 times five, right? So 64, 74, 80, 80 panels on this one double page spread. That sounds high. That does sound high. So say, wait, uh, what? Oh, eight times 40. So it's 40. Yeah. There are 40 panels on this double page spread. And it is a combination of Agent Barker watching one of the serial killers chop up somebody and Finch torturing Warren all mixed together and interspersed and it is super super disturbing. Yeah. To watch yeah. this. Yeah. And and clearly it's super disturbing to Barker because it breaks her. Oh yeah. Um nobody else knows that it's broken her, but we as the audience get to see a few things where it's the kind of thing where uh, you see something happen and her do something horrific to people, and then it's you turn the page and it steps back and she that was just what she was thinking about doing. It was a scrubs cutaway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's usually in like a red background too. Like yeah, it, yeah. it's very yeah. clear. Yeah, like yeah. you like after the first one, you pick up that it's yeah. these things, right? right? Yeah. Um, but oh, it is. Yeah, so she is broken at this point. Um, and then. And it's also not, it's not immediately clear, like, how much she actually remembers or might have repressed the the sort of psychological torture of being forced to watch this. Like, correct. She knows something is wrong, but we don't know, at least at this point, how much she knows and how much of this is sort of, how much of her hiding things is just her hiding things versus how much of it is some other manipulation. Like, like. Trauma black, you know, blocked yeah. it out, repressed it, kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then we get what is one of the most revealing scenes I think in this, which is all of this essentially torture interrogation that Finch has done on Warren really has not had much effect on him, right? Yeah. No, he's broken already. He's fine. And then, and then we learn simultaneously how good of an interrogator Finch is, how awful he is as far as how far he will go in his job and a whole lot more about Warren all simultaneously with one act. Yeah. Like there is a, again, in that sort of category of Warren as a monster, but also like protect my monster boy. 
not even protect my monster boy in certain ways in certain ways like sees to the truth yes more effectively than anyone mm-hmm. like the same things that make him a monster also let him just cut to the quick no pun intended oh gross wow. gross because what he does no. what he does after the all the rest of this hasn't happened hasn't worked, he starts biting on and chewing off his own fingernail and finger. I was gonna I was gonna talk real quick first about Warren calling basically calling out Finch and like pushing him further and further and yeah. further in torture sure. and just showing you got nothing on me, man. Right, which leads Finch to to this yeah. to which to which Finch sits down and goes, okay, fine. And he starts nibbling on and chewing on his fingernail and finger. And Warren loses his shit. He's like, no, your nails are mine. And screaming and breaking free of the chair that he's tied to. And yeah, that is what breaks Warren. Yeah. Is the fact that Finch might eat his own fingers and Warren won't get them. Oh my. It's fucked up. That's fucked up, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then after he has broken him, Warren agrees to actually really, truly start kind of working with Crane and Finch and let them know what's really going on. And we start getting some pieces of what this might actually be about. Yeah. Yeah. And I say pieces because we still don't have an answer at the end yeah. of 15. Yeah. Brian sounds very bitter about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not at all because... Sometime, probably either today or tomorrow, I'm going to start reading more of this and finish and get caught up. <laughs> yeah, I'm very yeah. good. I might actually finish rereading this, too, because <laughs> I do oh, love it. That's so good. How? Um, yeah. Yeah, we kind of end with something called Whitechapel Project. Yeah. And uh, that Alice, her parentage is not what she thought it was. Yeah, I was. I, I waited to bring this up. My first inkling was that of that was like on the third page or fourth page of this of this volume one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. it's very. I mean, like honestly, if especially after you find out, you go back and look. They are drawn so similarly that it. And, not yeah. only that, just the the sheriff's reaction to her yeah. and the specific yeah. wording she chooses to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Nellbiter Returns, Alice is blonde. Oh, oh shit. No. I am going to have to finish yeah. again because for Nobody Return. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you by the way, the flashbacks that have uh Crane when she was in high school with when they're talking about her and Warren dating, right? Mm-hmm. Did anybody else look at just how similar she is to the blonde? Oh. And that no. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, well, she is also kind of obsessed with ser- serial killers a little. Yeah, and she talks about, especially especially as a teenager, the blonde kind of being her hero. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's super like, okay, this is... And there, there's this whole question of part of what maybe makes all of these serial killers come from here. It has something to do with parentage. And ancestry. Yeah, we learned right. we learned that the Whitechapel Project brought in at least eight convicted serial killers to the right. town. Yes, and that and we, there are ties to the the Buckaroo Butchers. Right. So 
the fact that and Alice questions herself. She's like, I I have these dark thoughts and I don't want to grow up to be a serial killer, but maybe I will. Yeah, but I don't, don't want to hurt anybody or myself. But right, yeah. And now finding it? and now finding out that she's Sheriff Crane's daughter is you know, yeah, super super disturbing in so many ways. Because we have to realize who her father is. Though. Yeah, I was about to say, oh, so yeah. who's her father? Well, obviously it's got to be Warren, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a scene with Sheriff Crane when she's in high school with her mom saying something about, uh, yeah, mom, I've got to tell you, I'm, and it cuts away, but clearly she's about to say pregnant because two pages later we find out Alice is her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> the question is, does he know? I don't think he does. No. No. I don't think he does at all. Oh. But, yeah. And that's pretty much, I guess, the the actual last thing that, that actually happens is Carol, who is the FBI agent, mm-hmm. who who originally contacted Finch and brought him in and said, I figured out what's going on, right? Yeah. Who got his arms and legs cut off, was in the coma. Uh, he wakes up. And... I love how fucking pleasant he's like, excuse me, I don't mean to startle you, but uh, what happened to my arms and legs? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, And that's the, that is literally the last panel is that. Yes. Aww. And that's the first first 15 issues of Nailbiter, folks. Yeah. Yes. I fucking love this book. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh... It's, I mean, Saga got me into it. Nailbiter is what made me a comic reader. As weird as that sounds. No, I get it. <laughs> Art. Perfectly, art is beautiful and absolutely oh. what this book needs. Mm-hmm. We've, got, we've already talked sometimes. about uh, a, a lot of, uh, or maybe we didn't talk in this one. The colors are spot on. Mm-hmm. Oh my word, they're just like like a lot of this is dark and dark colors. I'll, like most of it, but it makes the bright things pop so much more well and there's a really smart use of like key lighting like old school film noir style key lighting yes so that even when things are right even when things are dark they're they're stylized in a way where there's always a light source there's always illumination you can always see what's going on it's never muddy well and like one of the things is you real real very very early you see kind of one of the new killers Right, you can look through there and you see these bright blue eyes, mm-hmm. and I mean they're like super, super prominent. So it's one of the things you key on, and then you so you start looking, and like as you're going through, it's like, well, shit, he gave everybody blue, these yeah. piercing bright blue <laughs> eyes, so you have no idea who it is. Thanks. Damn it! <laughs> Behind yeah. blue eyes, yeah, but like the blue that are in those eyes, like super, super pop because of the other colors, or like yeah. Alice's red hair right mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's it's wonderful i love it um also just a minor art thing the panel we get of the clown car killer the clown yeah. whatever he's called did anyone else uh catch the license plate on the clown car oh no. shoot i did not it is icp 99 ah. <laughs> oh jeez. I also want to talk a little bit about, or at least acknowledge, because it's a major part of this book. Um, Not just the lettering, but the sound effect design. Oh, yeah. 
There is so much attention paid to not just what the sounds are, but like size and directionality, like where they're coming from. And shaping of the words and yeah. 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 Repetition. Like and sometimes it's it's like intentionally out of place. Uh uh like in terms of how much focus it gets. Like there's a scene where um Sheriff Crane is at home and she's chopping some vegetables and like the chopping noises for just chopping vegetables on a wood wood cutting board, like there are five yeah like five different chop effects in this one panel and like they take up as much space as she does or as her refrigerator does or like they're the most prominent thing and like then she nicks her fingernail bed and it's just like that attention to focus ahead of that moment helps sell that moment as as like a very horror style moment because then there's a knock at her door and you're like oh it's gonna be warren and she's just cut her fingernail yeah. It's very, very clever. Agreed. Uh, I don't know what else to say. This was fantastic. Uh, clearly, I don't think there's any doubt I'm going to read the next 15 of these. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I guess if your goal was to introduce me to a good book uh, that I would like and want to keep reading, you have succeeded. Excellent. And you say you're going to read the next 15. Well, because, uh, I mean, there's six trades out right now. That's Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm making a segue, Brian. <laughs> but, on, wait, 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 wait. Is one of the 16 a segue killer? <laughs> <laughs> That's Alex. And it's all because of you, Brian. It's all because you've stolen his segues. Speaking of murdering co-hosts. <laughs> um... No. Uh, you could read more than 15, I was going to say, had you not jacked my flow. <laughs> because there is a follow-up series that started this week, Nailbiter Returns. Yay! Woohoo! And I'm the only one who's read this, right? Yes. I've read, like, half of it, yeah. Okay. Uh, one, the title page is styled like a bar menu. And it does yes. include a full recipe for a Bloody Mary. Uh-oh. That's disturbing. No, stop. It's wonderful. Need it. This is set... I also appreciate the other classics that I'm hoping we will get. Uh, Me too. Eventually. I need to know what's in a Psycho Colada. Yes. A grave daiquiri. Rosemary's Babies. Why two oh Kacons, Oh my though? god. There it is. That's the one. <sighs> When we can actually party and not worry about killing each other, like this is going to be the theme of the party yeah. and the drinks. Just well, FYI. this yeah. sounds like it, it, these. Are, this sounds like these are all the drinks we should have at our next spectacular recording. Yes, yeah. yes. right, yes, <laughs> yes. Indeed, we shall. Um, we'll have to pick which one we want to make, but yes, like we each bring one. No, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, okay, each yeah. bring one. Yeah. yeah. Each like, be responsible. I'm, I'm having them all. To share, yeah. to share right? Yeah. Each <laughs> be responsible for one, so that like one person's not buying all the alcohol, yeah. basically. Right, yeah. Oh, it's all in my house. It's fine. <laughs> Fair. Um, as a quick note, it's the same creative team, with exception of the editor. Uh, Rebecca Taylor takes over editing for Nailbiter Returns. Interesting. Um, so yeah. I will ask you guys this, and you can so we can share this with us. So if you read through volume six, do you get a conclusion to this story? 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. It Although, ends with basically like I'm the gonna, end question. I, I, and I'm yeah. not saying that there's not open threads, right? I'm just right. saying yeah. you, you understand what I'm asking from that. Yeah. I am going to say this. Uh, you will be relieved when you finish volume six to know that there is a follow-up series and not yes. to read that last page and be like, motherfucker, you end on that? Yes. <laughs> Good. Good. I don't have to be mad. <laughs> Like, it's a strong ending, but it's also an, oh my god, motherfucker, you can't leave it there. Gotcha. And I'm okay with that. I I just... Yeah. yeah. So, but but there are... We do get answers to the questions that we have at this point. Yeah. Okay. Um... Good. This is set sometime after the first series, um, in Portland, which Buckaroo is just outside of, and, uh, starts off, and I'm not gonna, not gonna hit anything that's going to be too too spoilery certainly nothing that we haven't already talked about uh starts off with some kids drinking in a butcher themed bar in portland talking about horror movies and their favorite butchers and uh we meet alice again who is now blonde and just looks so much like her mother yeah it's actually really kind of creepy and the way her hair is pulled back warren (laughs) Um, there's a a flashback to Buckaroo 30 years ago with, uh, a killer who likes to pop out people's eyes. So Jen, fair warning. No! I mean, the color of this is literally buried in a sea of eyes. No. Why is there always eye stuff? Um, there's a lot of eye stuff in this issue. Just, uh, sorry. So is this, is this the ICU killer? E-Y-E-S-E-A? The there is nothing nautical <laughs> to my knowledge so far. Well, he's in a sea of eyes on the color. Oh, cover. okay. That was yeah, the, that's yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, Grips. Alice, heads, Alice heads home after an altercation and finds uh, her mother missing and the otherwise stark white bathroom splattered with blood and the tub full of blood. At the same time, Finch gets called up to Portland. Because they find someone dressed like the, uh... Lucha Exterminator! The Lucha Exterminator. Lucha Eliminador. That's what it is. Can I change my mind and that wouldn't be my favorite, please? (laughs) Yes. I'll allow it. He kills people people with wrestling moves. With wrestling moves. So good. Um, We also learn about the Bone Collector while they're discussing, um, who their favorite serial killer might be. Which it was a guy who would create like dinosaur fossils and like all these other things. And then it's like, Oh shit, these are human bones. Yeah. Incidentally, <laughs> well, I... is this a guy who made the skull and crossbones out of literal skulls and bones, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I think at one point too, we learn in the first volume or two that like he was Warren's favorite cause he was an artist. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm not gonna lie. It's, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, if it takes you two days to realize they're human bones, that is pretty cool art. I don't, but does I, he I also don't care. Back. Like, I don't care. That's fine. Does he yeah. also use bacula? I was going to say, raise your hand if there's a coyote dick bone. Oh, it's somewhere. Reach. It's on the table. Hand raised. It's, it's, it's well, not within there. reach. It's, it's right there. It's not within reach yeah. of me, but it is yeah. in the room that I'm in. Yeah. That, that yeah. It lives here. Mine it stays. somehow doesn't get lost. On my desk, <laughs> under my second monitor. Uh, guarded by a little Captain America and a little Wonder Woman. 
that's exactly wow. I, you I don't know how to it. take that, Alex. <laughs> that Wonder Woman and Cap are guarding your dick bone. <laughs> it's the Steve that she deserves. It is. <laughs> it is. Oh boy. Um. So Finch and Alice get together to figure out what's going on. Um, Alice is convinced that Warren has something to do with her mother's disappearance. And then at the end of the issue, we see some kind of cult-like imagery, uh, including a person wearing a necklace of eyeballs (laughs) who wants to bring back the butchers. Oh, like from the dead or like bring back the concept of the butchers time for some new butcher. I mean, what Wait, would this book be again? if not the vagary? If not full of mystery. Fair, fine, very excited. Uh I read an interview with Williamson about the book coming back and he made a point in this interview and this this issue doesn't get to this yet cuz starting things off but one of the things he talked about was how in horror movie franchises, the sequel often becomes more action film than horror film. This is going to stay horror, but there's definitely going to be some like set piece action baked into nice. it, kind of to homage that. Interesting. Nice. So I am very excited. I had originally told myself I was just going to wait and read Returns in trade because I don't have the first series in single issues. I may not hold myself to that. A lot of the first series in single issues. There's a lot. Apparently, I collect single issues more than I think I do. (laughs) A thing you become astutely aware of when you move. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do there. Yeah, Yeah, I'd already packed these up. I had to to reopen the box. Well, the box wasn't That's half of them. But yeah. Oh, Brian. Yeah, yeah. For the people at home. It, it, uh. and picture picture a safety deposit box room in a, yeah. co- in a, in a TV <laughs> show bank. I was yeah. gonna say it looks like you just walked into the post office. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well that that's twenty that's five by five. That's twenty five boxes, and that's about half of them. Yeah. Woof. Speaking of long boxes. Yeah. Oh yeah, <gasps> let's speak of those. Alex? Long box book report. It's the long box book report. Fuck Fuck you, Alex. (laughs) For the record, singing that for myself feels kind of like playing my own funeral march. (laughs) You didn't give anybody else a chance. You just launched right into it. Also, I wasn't going to do it. I was. (laughs) So I read um, seminal comic book masterpiece. Alpha Flight number 112, which is an Infinity War crossover. <laughs> Bare Bones Part 3. Oh my. Part 3? I mean, look, I feel like Part 1 of this wouldn't have made any more sense. So, we talked last time about the cover figure in black and red and chrome standing over a dead Gamma Flight. With... And, and who was that character, Alec? Now... I made a guess. I'm like, I don't know. He looks kind of raptor-like. And Brian's like, oh no, you'll know who this is on the first page. Because it tells you. It does tell you. And this is a character I've read in exactly one arc of one other book ever. <laughs> and I only made that connection because Brian sounded sure that I would know who it was. I thought you would. It is not, as I thought, maybe some kind of raptor. It's the master. Mm-hmm. 
the master of the world, who showed up in Champions in Canada briefly. Yep. Okay. Um, that's how I knew you would know him. Yes. He was in Champions. Yes, that's yeah. the only reason I know him. Um, there's some some Magus nonsense involved here where the Magus is trying to merge a reality he wants with the actual reality and override it. And the Master has a bunch of telekinetics and telepaths trying to stop that from happening. Um, tenaciously clinging onto, and I quote, a bolt hole of unaffected reality, but he is sure they're destined to fail, and somehow it's very important that we then cut to this fight between Alpha Flight, I'm sorry, Gamma Flight, and a couple of bad guys who, frankly, like, it took me reading this issue twice to figure out which ones were the good guys and which ones were the bad guys. Um, It's a fight in the streets. Like, there's not really a whole lot more to it. I don't know why it's important, but it apparently is what will determine the fate of all reality, which I have trouble believing because this is not Infinity War Part 3. This is Alpha Flight number 112 on Infinity War tie-in. But then we cut to uh, a coma dream that we don't know is a coma dream at the time, except it's so obviously some kind of dream, that. Another character I've never heard of, because most of the characters in this book I have never heard of. So far, other than the Master, there is one character I know. That is Mannequin, who I know because he was in two issues of Valkyrie recently. <laughs> um, Elizabeth Two Young Men, who I'm sure has a superhero code name that's never used in this book. Uh, Yeah, that's Talisman. Okay. Yeah. So talisman. Oh, you know what? They were talking about the importance of the talisman. I assumed that was a literal physical necklace. They meant her, and we're just talking to talking about her as though she was an object. Got it. Wow. That actually makes things make more sense because the talisman. I think there is. I think there is an actual talisman as well that is like part of what. Well, but, then fuck yeah. me. I think I, it's been a long time. Um. So she's in this fantasy world where. I don't know if everyone is supposed to look like her, or if it was just comics art in the early 90s drawing all women the exact same way. Especially when you throw them in the skimpiest costumes I've seen in a superhero book. Damn. Yeah. Really? I mean, this is one of those weird books where somehow they get topless, out-of-focus women past Marvel censors in the 90s. I feel like I might need to see this. It's like for science yeah for knowledge for science, <laughs> for science. Huh. I mean, it's like i some of them have slightly lighter hair so i assume they're maybe not all supposed to be her but again it's like a fever dream i don't i don't know okay huh. okay interesting um huh. or like the panel of various women passed out on some dude smoking a giant hookah Huh. Okay. Now one of them is blonde. That one I'm sure is not her. Anyway, women somehow can't dye their hair. Well, okay, fair enough. You're right. It... <laughs> she says, combing her pink hair. I know. Let me just like there we go. <laughs> so somehow all of these delusional fever dreams tell her that there's some sort of evil race called the Scar. Uh with an apostrophe between the A and the R and a K instead of a C. 
So the scar, I guess this is just about, I don't know, offshoots of punk music. <laughs> um, the scar were some like demons on earth who were erased from reality and I don't know, might come back for some reason. We really don't understand what those stakes are because two pages later, we're back to the fight in the, st- in the street that apparently proves how important Gamma Flight is and also that they must die. But then they don't, and they're promoted to beta flight. I'm tired of talking about this weird book, The End. (laughs) There you go. Okay. Welcome to the 90s. (laughs) I know it could have been worse, because I've read worse, but like... Yeah, you know what it could have been? (laughs) Could have been Marvel Super Special number one. (sighs) I don't think I have ever read anything for the long box with possible exception of maybe like a random issue of x-force that felt so completely inconsequential even in terms of its own story (laughs) damn yeah welcome to the 90s (laughs) (laughs) why do you think i don't read comics from the 90s yeah yeah there was a lot of that it is so so wild um who is doing this next has Jim done one yet? Yes. Okay. Nice yeah. try, Brian. You just yeah. weren't here for it. Just ask. Yeah. And I did it on time. Yeah, oh. I was here for it. Hey, I, pay- I paid for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I paid for that. And rightly so. And rightly so, I guess. Yeah. All right. I will roll, roll a die. Um, Jen, odds or evens? Odds. It's a six. Son of a... <laughs> yes. <sighs> All right. <laughs> My choices are... And remember, there's always like door it... number three. Nope, there is not a door number three anymore. That is Door number three is dead. Ever forbidden from me, yes. <laughs> we have bricked over it. It doesn't <laughs> exist. It's there. I have, I have cask of the Amontillado, that thing. It is gone. <laughs> um... Let's see. Uh, it is always there thumping beneath your floorboards. <laughs> Oof. My choices are <laughs> New Teen Titans Volume 2, number 23. You shouldn't be allowed to have that one. No. <laughs> From August 1986. Or Action Comics Volume 1, number 618 from 1988. Wait, what, what month in 1988? <laughs> Just trying to finish uh, a thought here. From September of 88. September is the cover month. Uh, it is the cover date is nine twenty, eighty eight. So it really came out in what July? July, yeah. So right after I no yeah so yeah, just before I started college yeah. I was as of yet unborn. I was born. I was really hoping it was like a February, and then I'd be like, I support this because it's February nineteen eighty eight. But yeah, nope. And Teen Titans was uh, August of nineteen. Yeah, I don't think it's fair that you get to read Teen Titans. I think that's. Oh, just... I think it's very fair because I'm taking that one. <laughs> I was here for Brian's last long box. I do feel like he's earned this one. Thank okay. you. The last yeah, time Brian is... said the words, "No, these books are too good. I don't deserve this." He did get stuck reading Kiss fights Doctor <laughs> Doom. He yeah, made that... his choice. <laughs> Which don't I... get me wrong. I was here for this. I enjoyed witnessing this. I recognize <laughs> the toll that it has taken on Brian's psyche. Yeah. So uh, I will tell you, uh, New Teen Titans Volume 2, number 23, is called Loser Take All. 
and it has uh, it's Starfire versus Blackfire on the cover. It's got a big Starfire with big glowy fists raging out. The loser takes it all. Yeah, so uh, that will be my long box for next time. Nice. Speaking of next time, Alex. Yes. Hey, Brian can do a segue when he wants. It's because I stole all yours. <laughs> Brian is the new segue master. Oh, no. There can be only one. We must fight to the death. Loser takes it all. Now I Next want to week... <laughs> Here we <laughs> go again. <laughs> Next week, we will actually, much like Mamma Mia, be taking a trip to the Greek Isles. <laughs> To read Wonder Woman. Uh, This is the 2011 New 52 run. We're going to read the first half. That's issues 0 through 18. Written by Brian Azzarello. Drawn by Cliff Chang, Tony Akins, Dan Green, Kano, Rick Burchett, uh, Amal Carpina, and Goran Suzuka. Colored by Matthew Wilson and Nick Filardi. Lettered by Jared K. Fletcher. uh, With covers by Cliff Chang. Oh, yeah. Well, we know several things already. One, we know it's going to be beautiful. I was about to say that, yeah. And Wilson doing doing art and colors. Come on. Yeah. I was just about to say how much I like Chang. Wow, I really need to put like blankets down. I just heard how much that echoed. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, most of this book is drawn by Cliff Chang, but he did, to, to keep the monthly schedule, he did have some guest artists fill in here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Matthew Wilson colored. I think the Nick Filardi credit is probably for that zero issue. Matthew Wilson colored most of this series. Like this was the book that turned me on to him, because like the continuity that he kept as guest artist came on was really incredible. I'm super excited to read this again. This is one of my favorite DC books. Cool. This is like one of the first books that you handed me when yes. I started getting back into comics and was like, okay, read this. Yeah. This is one of the few that in that intervening time, like when the new 52 came out, I think I picked up like three or four, the first three or four of these and read them and like really liked it. I just didn't get sucked back in somehow. Yeah. I don't know. We can talk about that next time. All right. Uh, in the meantime, we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Uh, you can visit us at panelologypodcast.com, support us at patreon.com slash panelology. Buy merch at bit.ly slash merch, capital P, capital M, or send us questions about Wonder Woman or anything we've talked about recently or really anything comics related you want at bit.ly slash mailbag, capital P, capital M. Uh, did you it... check that before we got started? I did. <gasps> Damn. I know. So you on top of this. I am. It's almost like I've done this 213 times before. Almost. Took me that long to actually remember to check it, but you know. Right, I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. Talk about how many times you've done it, but talk about how many times you didn't check the mailbag first, though. Blind hog, truffles, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Anybody want to promote anything? Oh, I guess that would be me, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> sure, okay, I host several podcasts um i am a co-host on minds at yerk with alex uh, our episode this week uh we have a really special guest um and really excited about it now um, i actually last week did say that it was a master a, an expert in animal shape-shifting yeah and yep. did promise i'd say this week who it is so okay. you want to you want to tell everybody nope, go right ahead go right ahead Adel Rafai. 
We got Adorify to come talk Animorphs with us. Yes. And, and it Anna. was so much fun. It was, yes. Um, wait, wait, wait. You got Adorify? Yeah. Yes. Man. Oh. Jumps up with that. <laughs> wait. Had I not told you this already, Brian? No, you did. Okay. I was okay. waiting. I, was, I, was, was, I, was, I, I wanted he, to do the chunts up with that. He chunts was making a joke. Yeah. Um, I was actually really concerned for a second that I hadn't. <laughs> and that he was just now finding out. No. Uh, I also co-host Judging Book Covers podcast, which we do have a 2020 book challenge that we typically go through. Um, given the state of the world and everything that keeps happening in 2020, we are very close to throwing that out the window and just reading what entertains us, which is why the next episode we are doing Fear Street Cheerleader Books, which is one of Stephanie's childhood favorite books. <laughs> Um, and I also co-host a podcast called Handbook Podcast, which uh, I do believe is returning next month, where we are going to be summarizing, rereading and summarizing and discussing the importance of Stephanie Meyer's Twilight series before the new Twilight book comes out so we can rip it to shred. Oh, joy. <laughs> which I have not announced anywhere else. That is a panelology exclusive. Oh, shit. <gasps> we got a scoop we got yeah. a scoop we done scooped it <laughs> so yeah that's where i'm at nice awesome all right in that case i'm alex i'm jenna i'm brian and i'm megan go read comics